so this is another I have something hiding in a binder. What? <laughs> so we're going to – I think your weekly update's enough, so we can go on from there. Dive right in. Okay. <laughs> Well, today I poured us a nice glass of white wine, appropriate for the cold, rainy weather. I know. But it is Shaw and Smith M3 Chardonnay from Adelaide Hills, oh, and yes. it's for a special reason. Why? We have started interviews for <laughs> season two of Wine 201. We're doing an Australian wine season. Surprise! We interviewed the lovely folks from Shaw and Smith, and they recommended this as the wine to try. And of course, it was the one wine we didn't have. Yeah, we've tried a few of them. This one has already. Co- Turning out to be really fascinating, actually. I'm never sure. I always question you. <laughs> so this is a delicious glass of Australian Chardonnay from Sean Smith. Cool climate, Adelaide Hills. What do you think? Clean and refreshing like all the wine. Excuse me. I feel like we've been having from Australia while we've been recording. All of their wine just feels like clean. I don't know how else to say it. Not that wine feels dirty, but it all feels refreshing and from like from the earth where it is, you know. Well, guys, I hope uh, you get excited for season one, season two Ooh. of Wine 201. <laughs> so, like, Wine 201 2? It's hard. Wine 201.2? <laughs> one of the things. Coming up soon ish. You got quite the weighty subject on here about your life, Bridget. In all caps, what the actual fuck is what it says. <laughs> Just feels like we can't probably touch on the most disturbing thing happening in modern day history. Is it the most disturbing? I don't know. What Hard to rate what's the most disturbing. I'm going to not talk about the content of it because I just don't want to touch that. Um, <laughs> what because wanna, you're a man or because it's too political? I'm actually asking that question. A little bit of both. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen some good takes on men shouldn't be able allowed to have a, dis, a opinion and then some like, no men need to have an opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think I that's get, an interesting discussion. And I, I I just so I just don't want to talk about it because I'm going to say something wrong. But what I want to talk about <laughs> is the actual like mechanics of it. So I, I have some th- sympathy to the way the decision was reasoned in that, constitutionally speaking, all powers not specifically granted to the federal government are granted to the states. Guys, for, if you're not clear on what's going on, we're talking about Roe versus Wade being overturned <laughs> and health regulation of health is left to the states. So from a fundamentally, if you are just going on what the Constitution says, there is sound logic behind saying, no, this is a state-by-state issue. The problem with that is that we are very bad at doing what the founders wanted and amending the Constitution and updating it. They thought it would be updated frequently. There's a lot of bases for that. And we're just bad at it because – There's too many divergent viewpoints. There's too many states. It's too hard to do. So justices frequently read things into the Constitution that aren't there. For instance, we use the Interstate Commerce Clause to say, no, you can't let black people not into your restaurant. Um, It was – it's a stretch. Like it is a huge stretch, but we used that. Supreme Court justices used that to establish a precedent, and after 50 years, it became accepted as – Yes, maybe it was a bit of a stretch, but it's part of the Constitution. It's understood as such. Um, English law works that way a lot more. Common law. We have there's no right to health care in the Constitution. There's no right to be alive in the Constitution. Um, a lot of other countries who maybe do follow common law or have constitutions have explicitly stated rights to health care, living space, food. We don't. Um, I think most people in America would say that you have a fundamental right to health care. Um, it's just not in the Constitution. <laughs> it got read into the Constitution yeah. by Roe versus Wade in a roundabout way. What the conservative majority – I don't even necessarily want to call them conservative. I want to call them Republican majority because I think the court is now politicized with the exception of John Roberts, um, whom I admire a lot for how he has handled okay. his role as chief justice. Um, they decided to say we're going to – Stop looking at the Constitution the way that's been looked at for the past 100 years, and we're just going to go back to textualism. And as I said, I have sympathy for that view, and it might be – it is intellectually correct. I don't think it's the right thing to do, Um, and I I think it's shocking, and I think it opens up, quite frankly, an assault on minority rights, on black people, 
on Hispanics. On, on anyone underprivileged that doesn't have on homosexuals, the same access. on women, um, not just for abortion rights, but marriage rights. Um, it also opens up states to do ridiculous things like what Louisiana is doing with IUDs. Like, so, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I I think it's horrible. I also think Republican judges, like the um, airline no mask thing, have been doing horrific things where. When you issue an opinion like this, you should stay it right away so that states like Wisconsin, where um, a law from 1848s can come back on the books immediately, have a little bit of a runway time to say, you know, wait, maybe not. <laughs> let's figure this out. Let's make some changes. Um, you know, you can't issue a ruling and say, as of the instant this hits, no one has to wear masks on planes. Um, have a little respect for the practicality. John Roberts is great at that. I think it's horrifically shocking that this leaked. I think whoever does it, um, they're not going to go to jail because it's not against the law, but I think they should be named and shamed. I do think it was a Republican that did it um, because I think they are trying to – I think I think the way Alito wrote this, I read a really good article about his relationship with John Roberts and how it's splintering. Um, the language he used is despicable um, and is not worthy of the Supreme Court. It is – Grandstanding is playing to Fox News, maybe even one America News. <laughs> and you can agree with this decision and think it could be handled with more class, I believe. And for this, so I think I think it might be Alito's clerk that wrote this. The clerks are very young people that haven't been exposed to the world and haven't had a chance to have the moderating influence the world provides. So I think someone close to Alito I think he got some pushback on the opinion. I think people were maybe starting to splinter. I think John Roberts was maybe building a bit of a center ground. And I think someone in the Republican Party, a very pro-life person, leaked this to galvanize it and put pressure on justices to go with how the draft ruling was. And um, it's very sad that this happened. People can disagree on the content of it, but... What this did structurally to America and what this means for the Supreme Court and the faith in this institution that, you know, and and it's hard because it's just criticizing Republicans and you feel like it should be able to be both ways. But it, it is just Republicans doing this. DeSantis is unhappy with the opinion. He said, well, I'm just going to appeal it again. It, <laughs> that's not how it works, buddy. Like, so it's just it's just very discouraging to see these norms, these societal norms, the societal contract, the way that we functioned as a society for all this long time, just being thrown out the window by an overwhelming majority of people because 80% of people in America do believe abortion should be available to women in some way. I um, have a good friend that I'm actually going to visit this afternoon. I'm taking an afternoon off and uh, having a sleepover in Chicago. I'm so excited. It's like my Mother's Day gift to myself. And um she and I differ politically quite vastly, but we, we've we talked a lot. She, I grew up with her. She's one of my best friends. Um, we talk a lot about how instead of just hating each other for our opposing views, the mark of our true friendship is like that we can have mature conversations about it. We could we can get loud and yell a little bit. And, um, you know, so I am excited to talk. I don't, do not know her stance on this at all, um, but, but politically uh, – She's Republican. And, um, you know, I still love her uh, because it just depends what your priority is. Right. And to me, I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> this is just another thing. <laughs> I just feel like I truly feel like our world is imploding. And we joke about that a lot. But I'm constantly thinking about we talked before we started recording. We were talking about like, are we already fucking up our kids? Yep. You know, our kids are not our youngest. I mean, Nick's one is not even three. My youngest is not even three. And we're like, shit, are we already screwing them up? And I'm like, well, sure, man. Is there even going to be a world that like I want a daughter to live in <laughs> at this point? So anyway, we just had to talk about it because quite frankly, it would be shitty for us not to have mentioned this giant glaring piece of history happening. The situation I feel worse for people are people that are having challenging pregnancies. Oh my God. Yeah. And unable to get pregnant, challenging pregnancies. The, the stigma that's around challenging pregnancies, lost pregnancies already and the silence around it and lack of care, support, understanding is, is bad. And, um, this is going to hurt it even worse. I, I mean, it, in Wisconsin, additionally, everybody probably, whether you know it or not, 
everybody knows someone that's gotten an abortion and whether you know the reason or not, like this is hurting. That is not something discussed. So not pregnancy loss. Like we're just starting to talk about pregnancy losses more publicly. Like when are people going to feel safe saying, Hey, I had to get an abortion because of this reason or because of that, or, you know, and, Oh, I just feel, I just feel so angry about all of women's, you know, like the pregnancy postpartum thing is just a bunch of bullshit, you know, and and I can feel that now for the six years that I've had a kid alive, it's so much more. And and you don't have to have kids to feel that it's a piece of shit situation in, in America. <laughs> and my challenge to the Amy Comey Barrett's of the world, <laughs> you got on the Supreme Court to make this decision and you were picked for it. And in your confirmation hearings, you said you don't think abortion is necessary because adoption is an option. Well, to people that feel that way, that's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. Put some money behind it. Yeah. If you don't want people to get pregnant, teach sex ed. Make condoms available. Stop the cycle. Make birth control free. Provide health care. We've talked about the cycle a lot in our household. For some reason, this past week or two has been like, we've just seen a lot of situations of like, shitty parent breeds shitty kid. Shitty kid grows up to be shitty parent, breeds more shitty kids. And some it takes one very brave person, whether it be a kid or a parent or whoever, to say, whoa, I need to fix this cycle because- it's a cycle and it's never going to stop without one brave person in that cycle saying, Whoa, 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 I got to get out of this, you know? So the cycle, man. And you talked about respecting each other, having conversations. Polling is pretty consistent. 80% of people think abortion in some way should be legal. And I've seen a lot of things of you can be pro-choice without being pro-abortion. And that's honestly where I am. There's reasons. And I think, in the overwhelming cases, it's a traumatic, horrific thing, and it's a hard decision. Now, there are definitely people that are irresponsible about it. Sure, but and, there are people irresponsible about having kids. <laughs> and, and you can't – in America, we protect minorities, and I don't mean you know people of color minority. I mean we protect minority rights. We protect innocent until proven guilty. You have to be 99% certain. We want 100 guilty people to walk so one innocent person mm-hmm. doesn't. So saying, well, I know this person that got 23 abortions because, you know, you can't use them as the example. <laughs> no. You know, so you need to use the extremes to make so your point. There's the, the, I don't know if meme is the right word going around, but, you know, I stand for whomever who found out her child had developed yeah, without yeah. any organs and had to choose to deliver. Right. You know, all of these things that are, you can't really judge that person until you've walked in their shoes yeah. and you don't know what you decide. And plenty of politicians that are super pro-life have skeletons in their closet. Sure. Absolutely. So So damn, you guys. (laughs) We tried. We keep trying. I feel like for at least a year we've tried to be like, we're not going to talk about depressing things. We're a happy place. But the world's kind of a depressing place. So that's why I kept that one. So I think that was enough on that. Do you want to hear my story first? Sure, man. Yeah. Uh, Mine's about one of your favorite things, Goodwill. Yay! And one oh, of my favorite things. I saw this article. Ancient Roman Antiquity. <laughs> I'm glad you're sharing it because I already had my article picked up. So uh, this lady in Austin, Texas, is a Goodwill finder, and she oh. likes to find art things. She found <laughs> under a table at this Goodwill a head, a bust, a statue <laughs> bust, uh, like life-size head. Uh, it was $34.99. Art collector Laura Young Found this sculpture on the floor beneath the table. She thought it looked undervalued. She thought it looked old and worn. So she started consulting with an art history expert at the University of Texas. And then auction houses, because that's where the true experts yep. are. London and, then, and Germany, right? Yep. And then the the Sotheby's said, like, hey, we think this got stolen from Germany in World War II. Uh-huh. Like somebody, you know, American soldier brought it back. And sure enough... It is a bust of Pompey Magnus, uh, or as they'd say in American, <laughs> Pompey the Great, who was defeated by Julius Caesar. He was part of the triumvirate uh, with Julius Caesar, and then <laughs> Caesar defeated him because Pompey wanted to do his own thing. Pompey was the rich one. He was the funder. Great. Um, and then anyway, so it's this bust of Pompey who was very – he was the richest man in the world for, you know, a thousand years or something. I think it's Elon Musk now. Um but uh, <laughs> found this. Right. It's been long missing. <laughs> it had belonged to King Ludwig I of Bavaria, uh, who built a full scale model of a house from Pompeii. Because, oh. you know, 
Why not? Why not? <laughs> You're the king. Why not? Make it rain. <laughs> uh, but uh, it stood for 200 years. It was damaged by Allied bombers in World War II. Got back to Texas. Lady found it. It's being displayed um, in San Antonio Museum of Art until May 21st, 2023. And then it's going back to Germany. So Yeah, because she can't – there's something like she can't sell it, right? Yeah, because it's a looted art. Yes, looted art. That's what it was because I literally – yeah, I saw this this morning. And here – you know what I thought? Because she made a comment. There was a quote in the article I was reading, which was from a different source, but whatever. Someone picked it up. And um, it said something like, oh – I didn't know what it was, but it was only 35 bucks. And me, I'm like, $35? That's expensive. I good. Well, I know. She thought it was undervalued. I know. I hope the German museum at least, like, flies her over or something. Yeah, to like, something. You know, because like <laughs> you said, she bad. got, like, I mean, it's only $35, but she, but hey, still. she's still out of pocket. She took all the effort to, like, figure this out. Like, fly her over, guys. Yeah. Well, that's what she was um, contacting all these auction houses. Yeah. I'm like, did that cost money? Did they just? Yeah. I thought the same thing. I'm like, how much did she spend figuring this out? I mean, time is money and money is time. Whatever, and, man. you know. The thrill of the hunt. <laughs> so she she hit an all-timer. So, Bridget, maybe uh, stop buying clothes and start buying. I mean, I get excited when I find, like, Patagonia at Goodwill. Because I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this was only 10 bucks and it retails for 200 I mean, I did get a three on my art history exam. <laughs> a three? Uh, without even trying. What does that mean, a three? My AP art history exam, you know, so three's passing, four is good, remember. five's great. I literally don't remember the grading skill. Um, so I, I, I wasn't know. in AP art history though. I'll oh, I wasn't that. either. I just took the test for fun. You, that sounds great. Yep. So That's if you have I any did. questions, just just send it to me. <laughs> I did I'll, AP English. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. I did eight. Yes. Um. Okay. Yeah. Good. So, <laughs> I. I want to share a couple of things that I keep being targeted at, which must mean they know I love my husband so much. <laughs> so I have, I started as one article and then it was a second and love a third. You, Tyler. All from the same website. So the website I, yeah. is nerdist.com. <laughs> Not exactly a site I typically read. That's yeah, a weird target. But uh, I, I click on these things. So this is also for all you people who maybe don't like topics we typically discuss because this is not something. Some of you are going to be like, what the hell is this? So there is a director. Is he a director? He's a creator. Miyazaki. Hayao Miyazaki. And he created uh, movies like Howl's Moving Castle, Totoro, which if you sound like like to you, if it sounds like I'm speaking a different language, <laughs> these are, are movies they in Japanese? that Tyler grew up with. And so I've watched them with him and they're really good. I actually super enjoy them. I don't enjoy all of his like, uh, you know, eclectic movie likings, but these I love. So Anyway, Miyazaki is making one last Studio Ghibli movie. So Studio Ghibli is his like place that he creates things, right? And that's so all of his movies are Studio Ghibli and he's making one final movie, which is a big deal if you're in this world and Tyler, this is for you if you haven't seen this article yet. So I first saw that he's making one brand new Studio Ghibli movie and it's going to um be about it's going to be based on a novel standby um, it says the actual film could be anything. We don't know what it is, but it is a fantasy on a grand scale, which are all of his movies. Um, it's a 15 year old boy in Tokyo, small for his age and fond of mischief, whose father has recently died. So it will go on and on. These are all translations, obviously, from a Japanese novel. Um, but I have put three links here. I'm going to make Nick put all three links in the show notes because I read one Can article. Do. I got a second one. If you are ever traveling <laughs> over the great seas, Studio Ghibli has a theme park. I didn't know this was a thing, but they just realized or they just revealed um, Howl's Moving Castle, which is one of the movies. It's exactly what you think. It's a giant castle that moves. They have that is um, one of the like like Disney World. You know, it has lots of different. I don't know. What's the word? Sections. Nick, you're the Disney World expert. Like Worlds. Worlds. Okay. Lands. Yeah. Like whatever. Tomorrowland. So Studio Ghibli theme park has the same thing. And um, there's going to be a giant Howl's Moving Castle. And finally, if we haven't covered all of Tyler's favorite things, I got targeted with a third article. Studio Ghibli meets Dungeons and Dragons in an adventure anthology. <laughs> So now uh, Studio Ghibli is a favorite thing of Tyler's. Dungeons and Dragons is a favorite thing. So Tyler, if you haven't heard of this, we're linking it for you, man. <laughs> uh, so these are two different like mythical, magical, wondrous universes. And they're coming together <laughs> in a new unofficial anthology. It takes inspiration. Oh, my God, you guys. It's as if he can hear me live recording. He's calling hey, right now. Put him on. Put him on. Put him on. Put him on. <laughs> yeah. No, because I got a question for him. 
Tyler, you are live on speakerphone on our podcast. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Tyler, I have a question for you. Yeah, of course. I seem to call you every single time you're on the podcast. And we're talking about you on the podcast right now, so we had to answer. <laughs> All right. Tyler, how do you get a D&D player to go out with you? Oh, wow. Uh, critical role. <laughs> you asked them for a D8. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that is actually pretty good. That's going to my dad joke book. That's our dad joke, and we're taking a break. <laughs> we're skipping the product recommendations. That was our break, our conversation with Tyler. Oh, boy. I handed you your character sheet. Uh, my, my week has been comprised of interviewing a lot of people and I thought it would be fun to have a fake interview game with you. So I got sounds fun. the top 10 interview questions from the balancecareers.com and I'm going to make you answer 10 interview questions. What? Assuming oh. this persona. So let's read this persona. Your name is now Nora O'Connor. Great. In high school, you were a Jewel Osco cashier and loved dealing with the public and telling them the benefits of your superior Jewel Osco product. <laughs> Superior. You're naturally a people person and a gifted communicator and thought PR would be great for you. After completing college with a degree in public relations, but after a life-altering experience on a road trip to camp under the stars <laughs> of the Badlands, you decided country living was for you. Yeah, to live sounds the country, just like me. To live the country lifestyle, you accepted a position oh. as a rural mail carrier in Sharon, Wisconsin. Did you know I used to want to be a mailwoman? I maybe got some help on this one. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, Shannon. She's like, quit bothering me on Friday mornings. (laughs) You have a small farmette in picturesque Lynn Township where you raise chickens and produce. You are also passionate about creating canned pickled concoctions from your produce as well as being outside in the hot, bright sun. Wow. You are fond of honoring your Irish heritage by clogging and weaving brigand crosses out of various natural materials you find on the farm to sell on Etsy. It's a combination of not you and you. Yes, it is. Your husband, David Squid, P.S., you didn't take his name because you love your Irish name so much, a board game designer who works from home and sells his games via Kickstarter, encouraged you to continue to advance your career, seeing your passions for delivering mail safely to people through sleet, snow, hail, and the like, so you advanced to a city route in Delavan. Oh my god! Your husband, as usual, saw something in you that you didn't entirely realize, but he was right, and you are single-purposed about ensuring the mail is delivered. Oh boy. For you, there's nothing like hitting deadlines, seeing the joy on faces as mail is delivered, getting to know the neighborhood doggos, and of course, dispensing treats to them. We know how you love dogs. And the noise of closing a mailbox lid just puts a smile on your face like a bell does for one of Pavlov's dogs. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm dying. In fact, your talent and skills are so on display, you were recognized as the Wisconsin Mail Person of the Year in 2020, a particularly challenging year. Furthermore, in recognition of your burgeoning leadership skills, you were put into the USPS's Associate Supervisor Program, which teaches and encourages leadership. You passed with the highest score in 13 years, and after completion, you filled in as a supervisor as needed. And now the postmaster position is open in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. You've got one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you've ever wanted. It's your moment. Are you going to capture it or let it slip? Let's play Interview Bridget for Postmaster. Whoa, Nick. You mean Interview Nora O'Connor. I could rap every lyric to this song. Would you guys like that, listeners? Really proud of you for playing that. Don't sue us, Eminem. Okay, let me, uh, you you contemplate this character sheet that I spent too long way coming too up long, with. Way too long, man, way too long. But I, I had to get you in character. Uh, I know when I give you a character, you can do it, but like sometimes coming up the backstory can be, uh, especially, you know, like with very little notice. I mean, like when you're at a murder mystery dinner, me and Tyler are your favorite guests. We are bomb at acting That's as well. I mean. <laughs> uh, so a postmaster oversees and leads all aspects of the operation of a United States post office. The specific duties include operations, administration, management, and support tasks. Postmasters train postal employees, handle customer transactions, <laughs> like selling postage or money orders, or collecting post office box rent, supervise wow. mail processing, and explain post office regulations to customers. 
I will take the uh, role of Nick Vorpagel, uh, area manager of Postmasters. <laughs> and uh, you, you're Nora O'Connor, aspiring applicant for, for the, uh, the position. So as I said, we have 10 questions for you to answer. Let's hear your, your interviewing skills. Let's, my, my palms are sweaty. Uh, what about mom spaghetti? Yeah. <laughs> Knees weak. But literally my palms are sweaty. I don't know my character well enough. Okay. I, I know. I mean, according to Shannon, this was your dream. It, it really was something I wanted to do. So every time I go to the post office, I'm like, I'd be better at this job. <laughs> I've never made it, you guys. My okay. grandfather was a longtime post office person. Uh, my dad worked a rule carrier route for a couple of years, so I have it in my blood. So I, I feel like I can channel this role. Wow. I don't have it in my blood. <laughs> well, okay. Nora, tell me about yourself. Oh, fucking hate this question. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I in the interview now? <laughs> what a great question. Well, um, I... <laughs> I can't do this. I'm so nervous because I don't know my background, you guys. Did I live in a city ever, Nick? No. No. Okay. I. <clears throat> well, I live in Lynn Township and I have this farm that I tend to every day. I love spending time in the yard, especially in the bright sun, um, with my chickens. But my real passion is making pickled concoctions. <laughs> So I've spent a lot of time cultivating my garden and my animals, and it's really taught me a lot about responsibility. And I know it sounds silly, but leadership as well. I have to lead those chickens. (laughs) And then I've had to learn. I taught myself canning. And if you ever had my canned pickles, you know how good they are. I brought you a jar. Here you go. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, I've always taught, I was always taught to be a good hostess and bring a gift along. So I couldn't leave without you having my Famous pickled concoctions. <laughs> I love this. Uh, thank you so much. You know, I love to start with this question. Too many people just read me their resume. I don't want to read your resume. I already read it. I am so glad to get to know you as a person, Nora. I love pickles. I think, you know, oh gosh. what an incredible connection we have. Well done. <laughs> I can't done. wait to hear what you think about mine. Now, I, you know, enough about pickles, which are a common thread we share. But <laughs> tell me. Why are you the best person for this God-trusted role of Postmaster of Lake Geneva? Well, um, I was taking notes <laughs> as you were discuss- discussing the position. Um, it sounds like it requires a lot of managing and organizing. And honestly, sometimes I have to nag people to pay their dang P.O. boxes. <laughs> um, so like I mentioned, these chickens of mine... Really important. So they lay eggs every day. Did you know that? No, I didn't. I know every day. Wow. And I have um, so many chickens. <laughs> so, so I have to collect their eggs every day. And I have a system where I collect the eggs and I bring them in. And in my refrigerator, I have them organized from newest to oldest because I also sell them on the side. Oh, wow. In addition to selling my eggs, I sell creations on Etsy. So I would say... I already own my own small business. So what I'm doing here with the postmaster position is taking all the skills I've learned by creating my passion into a small business, and I'm bringing it over to my next passion, which I learned by way of my loving husband, mail carrying. I didn't know that it was such a passion of mine. I thought simply selling my weaved goods on Etsy and my chicken's eggs was enough for me, but mail carrying is really where my passion has lied. So taking my skills from my own small businesses and taking my skills from mail carrying, putting those together, I think that I can manage a post office better than anyone ever has. Holy cow. I know. Have you ever? That is, (laughs) I don't know, anybody that has this incredibly unique mixture of passion, experience. Wow. 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 So tell me, why do you want this job? Well, that's a great question. I need to read, and I'll tell you why. Oh, do you know why? Why? Do you want to know more about my passion? I do. Um, One of my most favorite things, I love being organized and making sure everything is on time. Is one of your favorite things brown paper packages wrapped up in string? Brown paper packages. Yes, it is. I also love to sing. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Perfect for the post office. So, you know what? Mail, if it is not delivered on time, I know that it just makes people so angry. It makes me angry when things are late, 
I, I don't know about you, but I think it's important to hit deadlines. And there is nothing more satisfying than seeing the smile on someone's face when I arrive on time with their mail. So being the postmaster means I would control all of that. <laughs> And I would make sure that everything happens in a timely fashion. And really, I truly think as long as your customers' expectations are being hit, then we are all set. So I'm here to make sure that happens. How has your experience prepared you for this role? Oh, well, back to the chickens. <laughs> um. So I don't like to talk about this much, but uh, there was, you know, in back in 2020 when things were particularly challenging. We don't talk about 2020. I, I actually really excelled in my career because I, I saw a challenge and I rose to the occasion and I was actually awarded um, male person of the year in Wisconsin. Wow. I know. So that is it, very prestigious. It really meant a lot that other people saw all of my hard work from from the eggs to the Etsy shop and my mail carrying career, it all culminated. And I think that um, having someone else recognize that really truly shows how qualified I am for this position. Why are you leaving your current job? Uh, what's my current job? <laughs> my small farmette? My Etsy shop? Your city route in Delavan. Oh, I thought we were past that. Right, Delavan. So sorry. Forgot about that. Well, I don't – I think that staying stagnant in my career, uh, I, I, you know, I'm always looking for the next challenge. And I'm wondering how I can grow and where I can share my skills. And I've learned a lot at my city route in Delavan. I came from a rural route to a city route. And this, this is the next step in my evolving career. What is your greatest strength? I hate these interview questions. What a great question. <laughs> Yet again. Um, my greatest strength is my commitment to timeliness, Nick. Wow. That is very important at the post office. You know what? It is important in my personal life and at the post office. And I just think that if you can do it in your personal life, you can do it in your job. And you can see on my resume by how qualified I have been. And I've, I've continued to get promoted. So the timeliness aspect has clearly been, uh, been awarded by my other superior bosses. And now they have recommended this to be my next move because of how timely I am. Wow. Mm -hmm, yeah. Now those sound like that's just your timeliness sounds like an incredible strength, but it I is. have to ask the corollary. Yeah. What is your greatest weakness? And don't say you care too much because uh, I'm not going to fall for that. Oh, that's so funny, Nicholas. <laughs> uh, my greatest weakness is sometimes when I was on my routes, I would spend too much time with those beautiful dogs I would encounter. Oh, the doggos. Yeah, so I really had to learn to budget my time. Did you give them I brought treats with me so my bag was even heavier. I bought them with my own money, these treats, uh, because, you know, it would be illegal to spend the taxpayer's dollar on wow. that. And so I did have to learn to budget my time between making the customers happy and the dogs and really just do the job of ensuring the mail is there on time. So I've learned a lot of budgeting of my time because of that. You did an incredible job of taking that and flipping around into a strength. Wow. That is a skill of mine in an interview. <laughs> now, what I want to know next, because this can be very stressful. You know, people want their mail, long lines, yeah. understaffing, your people trucks are, are uh, not working right. <laughs> How do you handle stress and pressure? Are you a sweaty palm type of person or are you as cool as one of those cucumbers you turn into pickles? Well, Nick, <laughs> I like to drink on the job. <laughs> Just kidding. Do we joke here? Uh, I like is, this joke. A <laughs> is this a place we can joke? Cucumber water? I've lost all control of this interview. <laughs> I don't know and my palms are sweaty. <laughs> Move on. What are your salary expectations? Oh, a cool five mil. <laughs> well, Nick, I do this because I love the job. I still would like to be paid $300,000 and a full benefits package, please. Is that in line what you're looking for? Well, median pay for this position is $79,000. So we, oh, well, that's close enough. <laughs> we can negotiate. It'll be based on government scale. The joy it brings me. <laughs> Fills the gap between 79 and 300. Perfectly fine. And the chickens. <laughs> and my pickles. I have one last question oh, for you. Oh, good. Am I doing well? And that is, what are your goals for the future? 
Oh, gosh, what a great question, Nick. I want your job in the future. (laughs) I hope you get to retire one day and hang out with your doggos and eat my pickles. And when that happens, I hope I'm considered for your role. (laughs) Thanks so much. Do you have any questions for me? Sure. Yeah, Nick, are you close to retirement? Well... Can I ask I did, all the illegal questions? I did my 20 years in the military. Oh, yes, that's And then I right. picked up this job as a super qualified person. Super qualified. And so I'm double dipping on the pension situation. So, yeah, I need to make it to 52, and I'm almost done. That is my goal, to double dip on the pension. So I'm so looking forward to this. Um, Thanks so much, Nick. When can I be hearing from you for my job offer? Well, this is a government position. We've had it posted for three months. Great. We need so to have seven it more months. For another two months. Great. And then we'll have our third round of interviews. And if you do that well and you pass the test and uh, we get clearance to approve your position from Congress, yeah. you can take the position in about 13 days. Great. I'll, I'll bring pickles for everyone. Well, that was weird. Did you like the interview? I'm dying. Um... Yeah, that was good. I hope you all see my superior interviewing skills. So I thought you, you know, I've, I, I interviewed you. You did a great job this in that interview. This is a hilarious uh, These, segment. The uh, thebalancecareers.com, to top interview questions, best answers. They had some su- suggestions. I mean, you did a good job. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. I hate interviews as a boss. I hate them so much yeah. because they're a crapshoot. You can tell them, I think you can tell in the first like five minutes. So our goal, we always, I always start with tell me about yourself. So I, 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 I mean, I'm going to spill the beans on how we do interviews. Ooh. If you listen to the podcast and apply, you're going to be ahead of the curve. So I like and to, we're proud of you. I like to do, uh, I, you know, I said, welcome. Thanks for coming. I like to start by providing you, um, a structure of how this is going to go. Oh, that's It's nice. going to take us about 30 minutes. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Does that sound like a good way to start? That's stressful. Cause if it doesn't take 30 minutes, you're like, shit. <laughs> To say, yep, because if you don't say yep at that point, you're just going to leave. So <laughs> bye. So we're going to start by giving you an overview of the company, explaining where everybody fits in so you understand some context on that. That's good. Then we're going to go over the job. Uh, obviously, we posted the job online. You read that when you applied, but we want to talk about it, make sure we're all on the same page there so we understand what if it's a good fit for you and make sure you know what you're getting into going forward. Then we have some questions we'd like to ask you to get to know you a little bit. After that, we have time to see if you have questions for us about the position, yeah. the company, where you'd fit in. After that, we can talk about compensation and benefits and explain the process going forward. Whoa. Does that sound like a good way to go? That's that's nicer than most interviews. I so would you say. get rapport going. Everybody feels relaxed. Everybody feels like you know we have some degree of understanding before you start. It takes down the adversarial nature of it a little bit. I mean. Has that worked? Yeah. Yeah. And so then, you know, I talk about how my grandparents started the business, where I fit in, make a little joke about how much my grandpa hated doing retail stuff. <laughs> I'm very clear that we still kill things because oh, some good. people like don't realize that. And I just say straight up, we kill stuff. You're you going to see yeah. a live cow walk in and then not see it be alive again. <laughs> and not that everybody realizes you. that. Yeah. If you can't handle that, that is totally fine. We respect that. But we just like to be upfront about that. Have you seen people just be like, oh. Yeah, we had one just like, was like, oh, I didn't realize that. I don't think I can do that. We're like, cool. You don't have to kill them. I mean, we're clear about <laughs> yeah. that. But, oh, and then, uh, you know, go through the job. Uh, we, I always start with, tell me about yourself. And I say, one of the things we're really proud at, like Geneva Country Meets about, is our staff. And we think we have a good group of people that like working together and support each other. So we want to know about you as a person and figure out if we think you would fit in with our group because that's really important to us. And if we want to hire you, we want to make sure we know about you and we can partner you with someone that maybe has some similar interests and personality to really set you up for success at the start. Look at you. So, you know, (laughs) and then basically it's just I want you to talk. Like you said, you can tell in five minutes. I want to have you talk for five minutes so we can figure out if you are a basically decent human human being or not. You're not going to be entirely qualified for a job you're not yeah but uh we like to hear you we ask you about cooking and -hmm. if you don't have a good answer for that it's probably not going to work yeah and the good answer might be you know what i don't really cook a lot Yes, i was like i think about this a lot in my context my wife cooks and i really know that i like this but i'm willing to learn yeah that's fine or you know you might say i'm more of a slow cooker person and we'd say oh that's cool we got you know got a lot of that so and then uh, yeah i always nick and i have talked about this i always want to know the one question I always ask is, what do you do outside of work? And I have literally had people say nothing. And I'm like, come on. And then I've had people say, I play with my cats. I'm like, okay, cool. Cat. Tell and me it about was your cat. cat lady. You know, yeah. And, but it tells, 
it tells to me so much about a person. Like, do you have a family? Like questions you can't ask, but you can get it this way kind of. And do you have hobbies? Do you sit at home and play video games? I don't know, whatever. So and anyway, it's very interesting to me. It's my fave. It, you know, some of these questions are better for uh, career-oriented What are your goals for the future? I don't really care. Like, yeah, I mean. I mean, I care. I'll figure out eventually. And like, if we can support you, we will. But yeah. Like, what is your greatest strength and what is your greatest weakness? If anybody truly asks those questions on an interview, it's just an asshole check, right? It's, did you prepare for these questions? I truly think I've been in interviews a hundred times that I've asked those questions. And it's just like. I and I always switch the weakness into a strength. If you, if you are asking those questions seriously as an interviewer, it's because you're lazy or because mm-hmm. you're just out thinking things and you're like, I don't really care what the answer is. I just want to make sure you have one. If you're not prepared for tell me about yourself and what's your greatest strength and what's your greatest weakness. You're not prepared. Yep. I have 100% been in interviews where I've seen in the like pad folio, a piece of paper that had a URL at the top, which was clearly someone that printed off like interview questions. And I'm like, okay, I got offered the job. I was like, yeah, this is the, you have no, I could be interviewing you. But anyway, I love interviews. It's where I excel. I mean, you, maybe notwithstanding I mean, today. Nora excelled. I, I don't Nora know much excelled. about my mail route. I forgot I was a mail carrier in Delavan. <laughs> anyway, that was fun. Nick, you're, you know, this rotating segment is just going to be yours. <laughs> I mean, if you want to flip the tables and interview me. I know, I might have to. Feel free. Oh, okay, good times. Um, uh, I'm really proud of what I made I, to I, eat. I, I know. Are you so proud of me? I'm so confused about you, Bridget. <laughs> I know, what's like, happening? It's been about a month of like... <laughs> No, it's like one day a week, but so like four times. But still, that's... I know. I So I always... We love Asian foods in our house, and I'm always so angry when we order them to go, you know, from for takeout. I'm like, this is so easy to make. It's just like noodles and vegetables and a sauce. So I finally, like, I had bought lo mein noodles. I had my fun noodles, and I'm like, Tyler. Lo mein's delicious. What do you want? And... um. We, I made a veggie lo mein. That's all I'm saying. Like, I can't tell you. It was so stupid easy. It was just like, make the noodles, you know, boil noodles, saute the veggies, add the sauce that was like three ingredients, and you mixed it. The end. And it was so damn good and, you know, way cheaper than takeout and also healthier because I know everything that was in it. Did it you add MSG? I didn't. Well, that was your first mistake. Can you just buy MSG? Yeah. Do you want me to send you home with some? I didn't end MSG or add MSG. Why do I want to add it? Just boom, upset savoriness. I'm assuming you had some mushrooms in there. Bro, do you even know me? I didn't have fucking mushrooms in there. Tyler loves them. Though. I had, I well, I mean, <laughs> I had like peppers, broccoli, carrots. Yeah, you should have added some little MSG. Yeah, I, it was soy sauce, I'll brown send you home sugar. With some. I mean, the soy sauce has a degree of it. And sesame oil. Oh, that's delicious. It was so good. It was so easy. What I'm type so, of sesame oil? I don't know. What do you mean, what type of sesame oil? They there's sell it in the Asian oil, area. There's dark sesame oil. There's it was toasted. dark. That's dark sesame oil. I don't know. It was like next to all the lo mein noodles in the store. <laughs> have, tell you I have you all need that some sesame stuff. oil. I know. I mean, I'm like, I have just like the basic fish sauce, the basic sesame. You know, I buy whatever they have at the grocery store. So I have all of it. I'm just now going to make Asian food at home. So easy. Okay. thought you'd be proud of me. I made basically yes. all of Bridget's favorite things. I know. Elote, that was a beautiful picture. Chicken. Tacos. And tacos. So street corn. So we made up some street corn. And then uh, we took some frozen corn, uh, sauteed it, gave it a good uh, searing. Yes. So a little burnt on the one side, seasoned it up, tossed in some lime juice, set that aside, took some chicken breast, chopped it up, fried it to get crispy on one side for chicken taco meat. Yum. Had a crema, some avocados. Tossed together, elote chicken tacos. The picture was beautiful. They were so good. So good. Yes. I was like, oh, man. Oh, man. My, I, I texted the picture to you, and I said, start the outline. This is all we <laughs> need to talk about. I said, bro, I already started it because I wanted to add my lo mein. <laughs> the, um, but I was really like, oh, I should have had some for Bridget. We ate all of them. Yeah, asshole. Sorry. You're not feeding me. <laughs> I, I forgot I had leftover lo mein the other day, so it, I had it for lunch. The bonus kid corner to this is Simona helped me with the photography. Oh, yeah? And so she, the reason why this chair is out of place there. Oh, it's funny. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> so I brought everything down on a tray, and she helped me. She actually was fairly helpful in turning on lights and, like, opening doors for me. Nice. Um, thank you. She's starting to be kind of a helper. I said, thank you so much, Simona. I really appreciate it. You can go upstairs and eat now. Mommy has a taco for you. <laughs> I said, no, I, I helped daddy. Aww. So she decided her version of, so there's a table. So 
the table we photograph on is waist high. Uh, so she obviously can't do much there, but then I have a lower table that I keep like the tray on to put stuff and stage it. And so I was photographing and she was watching and helping. And then I started seeing a hand reach into all of the bowls and just start grabbing like a little chicken, a little cheese, a little whatever. She took yeah. a lime and ate a lime. Whoa. I'm like, girlfriend, do you just want to make a taco bar? Oh, cute. Look at her working. <laughs> so she just uh, grabbed the uh, tray, moved it over to our table where we record the podcast here and made herself a taco bar. Well, maybe she wants to be on the podcast, Nick. I mean, she, I think, just wanted to eat her tacos. Actually, it'd be so funny if we had both of them on for Kid Corner one day. We should. Most days at daycare, she just looks scared of me. <laughs> that means we haven't been down here enough, I guess. <laughs> Or like, why are you here and not at my house? You know, like when kids see adults yeah. out of place, it's so funny. I saw Max yesterday and he definitely was like, yeah. why are you in my classroom? I know, I know you, but why are you here? <laughs> anyway, that's a perfect transition to Kid, Kid Corner. Corner. Do you need to go with your other one right away? Yeah, I'll go with my other one. Were you about to put on like a crying sound? No, no, no. I was going to put on uh, Mom's Spaghetti again. Oh. Um, so... I planted 50 pine trees on Monday night. Yeah, bro. Uh, took me about three hours. Gross. Uh, but it's been kind of a rainy week, so it's like the perfect time to get the pine trees in. Got these little kind tiny- Kind of a rainy week. <laughs> um, so got the pine trees in. And that meant, you know, like, I was not home that day, more or less. Yeah. Uh, because I was like, hey, guys, good to see ya. I got to keep climbing these trees before it's 8.30 and too dark to see. And, <laughs> and like, I got to clean black. up and, you know. So, but Simona obviously was playing outside. She wanted to come over. And the pine trees are like mm, six to eight inches tall, let's say. They're little uh, bare root saplings. And she comes over. She goes, Daddy planting baby trees. <laughs> and she's calling them baby trees. And I said, yeah, do you want to help? So she helped, you know, with uh, spreading some mulch around them. But she gave them kisses to help the baby trees grow. So all those oh. baby trees got kisses from Simona. Oh, cute. She said, Mwah. Mwah. Grow, grow baby tree. Are they growing? Did they listen? I mean, I <laughs> don't know, three days. but I hope so. I mean, a lot of them are going to die probably because like, that's just kind of how it goes with these things. Is it? Oh, well, you know, it. you get like oh. a two third success rate. <laughs> Survival rate. So, uh, but oh, God. the Simona kissed baby trees uh, is very cute. Oh. She was very insistent on helping with the mulching. Uh, so wow. good job. Good job gardening. You want to come plant my shit at my house? <laughs> She's, uh, yeah, she likes being outside. And then, Oh, that's funny. So it's, I think two out of three weeks we've had a Simona doing some type of outdoor labor Look. <laughs> story. It's not child labor, everyone. <gasps> Don't worry. It's legal and closely held family businesses. Um, I did just see unrelated as we were sitting here, something pop up about a family that let their six year old run a full marathon. I haven't read the full article, but I, speaking of child labor, <laughs> I just want to read it and be like, oh, before I judge, like, but shit. Okay. Is anyway. a kid Ethiopian? No. Because, I mean, like. Looks like it could be my kid. Ooh. I mean, it won't be my kid ever, but you know. Because <laughs> genetically, they're more set up for the. No. Nope. Definitely not. What's it like? It's a single plateau, like in Ethiopia, that all the elite ones come from. Really? Yeah. Have you not? I, I thought you. Were, I mean, no. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know. Generally, I've there's like some like, weird like genetic pool in this very small yeah, specific that area. Feels like I'd get in trouble for talking about that. So I just don't. I think it's fascinating. Oh, this is. Um, I feel like in Lake Geneva, there's a weird genetic pool for like. Well, disappointing this kid, parents and being a massive fuck up. This kid is named Rainier. Rainier. So I guess I would think they're from Washington, but actually the race was in Cincinnati. So I'm not actually sure where they're from. I'm not there Rainier. yet. The whole family ran it, it looks like. Um, Kentucky family at center of controversy after six-year-old runs in marathon. Out of Pringles at mile 20. That kid? Yeah, six years old. Wow. I don't think they meant. Okay, anyway, I don't know. Oh, a two-time Olympian long-distance runner was those. Oh, just kidding. Uh... Okay, anyway, I have no idea. So that was not my kid corner because that's not my kid. <laughs> this family needs to break the cycle. I, I, okay. I can't read everything I want to about it right now. I'm here to talk to you about boogers. <laughs> I feel like it's been a really long time since like, remember when we started kid corner as a way to like make other parents feel better for our kids doing disgusting things? <laughs> well, I'm back to help you. So, um, Elliot has a super runny nose right now. Apparently I volunteered in his school and apparently there's that's going around again right now. I don't know. I never know cycles of sickness now since like masks aren't a thing. So anyway, we like, I'm watching him sneeze or blow, you know, not blow his nose and just take his sleeve and rub it all the way across his face. 
So the other day before school, I'm like, Elliot, you got to go wash your face, man. You've got like crusty boogers all over. <laughs> okay, mom. So we go in the bathroom and he's like washing off his face, whatever. And then he just starts getting so angry because he washed one cheek. And then he's like, what is on my face? And he's like ripping at his face. And I'm like, those are boogers, you know, and we get in a fight about this. And he, we're just at a moment where he wants to be really independent. He does not want me to tell him what the fuck to do. And he does not want mom like licking boogers off his face. And so he just didn't want to believe me when I was like, these are boogers. No, they're not, mom. It's crusted on my face. Elliot, that's what happens. But, you know, so anyway, it was just a fun moment of, hey, everybody, when you have boys that are six-year-old and trying to be fiercely independent, you're going to get in a fight with them about boogers that are crusted onto their face. Not poop like Lucy still, but boogers. Boogers are, boys are gross. Boys are gross. You know what? Lucy's going to do it too. Let's be honest. (laughs) Kids. So whatever gross things your kid did, ours probably did too. And we'll get back to talking about gross kid things. (laughs) That's that. Did you like that deep breath? I did. Oh, man. Sorry. Really have to go to the bathroom, so. (laughs) Well, on that note, we'll keep this brief. We hope you have a great week, everybody. Oh, yeah. Happy Happy Mother's Mother's Day. Day. Happy Mother's Day, Bridget. Thanks. You know, the crossing guard at school wished me happy Mother's Day. It was so sweet. She was standing out in the pouring rain. I'm like, do you want my umbrella? She said, no, it's just water. (gasps) Bless her. Her name's Nancy. She's really nice to me now. Anyway, happy Mother's Day to all the moms, aunts, mom figures, And we're thinking of all the moms that might be struggling with anything on this Mother's Day if you have lost your mom or grandma or whatever. So there you go. Have a great week, everybody. You know where you can find us. Check out the show notes for all the stories about nerdy things. And um, yeah, have a great week. Bye-bye.